Who have you bumped into lately? You can't remember everybody, but try to remember a couple different faces. A cashier at the grocery store, uh, maybe uh, the barista at Starbucks, or maybe it's your mechanic. Uh, we bump into a lot of people in, in our life. We're talking about the gap between us and God and us and ourselves, and today the gap between us and others. And I've been thinking about the people in my life that I bump into. There's one person that I really have missed during the pandemic, and it's Canis, and she's a, a, the, the world's most amazing crossing guard. And when I first moved into our neighborhood, I was driving my kids to school, and there was just something about her that oozed love, and it made such an impression on me that I, I, I parked the car and went up to her and said, I gotta know your name, because you just made my day better just by you being here and taking up that that space on the corner at you need to go it's it's really close to the intersection of haven and semilon in rancho cucamonga when schools open back up you need to experience canis's just amazing personality and uh there's a book that that she reminds me of it's called consequential strangers the power of people who don't seem to matter but do I can't think of how many people I pass by just because I'm busy or in my own thing and I don't even give a second thought to them. And nobody likes that feeling. I've had people pass me by. You know that feeling when you see someone wave and you're like, oh, hi, and you realize they're not waving at you um, or someone that you haven't seen in a long time and they don't remember you and or a teacher that I had a, I had a professor who was absolutely brilliant at everything except remembering my name and my classmate's name. <laughs> He'd be like uh, in the middle of a thought, uh, what's your name? Okay, yeah, and I'm like, my goodness, we've been doing this for three months and there's only 10 people in the class. <laughs> like, come on, man. Um, but I can't judge him too much because I've done the same thing to others. And what I'd like for us to take, uh, what I'd like for us to do in these next few moments is take a look at a few verses from the book of Mark. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, Mark chapter 3, and take a look at the story of a person that people pass by all the time and no one thought this person was of any consequence, uh, but Jesus saw him. And I want us to look at how Jesus treated this interaction. So if you're there, let's go ahead and start in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they, remind, they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So let's go back to the beginning of the story and set the stage. This is the Sabbath day. I mean, this is a big deal, you guys. A first century Jew would never miss the Sabbath and they would follow all the rules and prescriptions in, in the Bible so that they could please God. And by this time, the religion had progressed so much, they wanted everyone to know 
that they were following God and following all the rules. And um, that was such a badge of honor for them. And uh, uh, more than prayer and, and giving alms and fasting and keeping holy days, like you went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And here we see Jesus going to the synagogue like everybody else because he was a devout, a devout person and he was doing what anyone else would do in that time period. And it got me thinking about what's our distinguishing mark of, of Christians. If we are Christ followers today, what is our distinguishing mark? Uh, like uh, the scripture, and there was a song that we used to sing in, uh, in church when I was young. Uh, they will know we are Christians by our bumper stickers. No, nope, no, nope, that's not it. They will know we are Christians by our social media feed. It was, no, it was, they will know we are Christians by our love. And my neighbors probably think it's, uh, they'll know you're Christians by your church attendance. And I can usually see um, my neighbor across from me when I'm pulling out early on Sunday morning, especially during the pandemic. Uh, he was sitting on his uh, porch. Uh, Larry, if you're watching, I love you, man. And he's sitting there with his, his coffee and waving, like probably thinking, there goes that crazy Christian again. Uh, but um, I've been thinking so much lately about how, how do people know we're here <laughs> online? How do people know in Rancho Cucamonga that we're Jesus followers in our day-to-day -day life, so as a church, but also as individuals? And um, so many of the ways that we, we try to let people know or we think other people are knowing we're Christians are just the same kinds of activities, the same kinds of impulses that were present in the first century. But the, the text tells us, the scriptures tell us that they will know we are Christians by our love, that, we're, that we can be salt and light and love people with a Calvary type of love. And, uh, and that kind of love was not present in the synagogue this day. Uh, as, as we move in, uh, verse 1, it talks about there was a man with a withered hand. Doesn't that sound like a, a scary movie title or something like that? It sounds so ominous. But here in his local church synagogue, this isn't Paris or New York or London or, um, or, or Ontario. I mean, uh, Canada, not, not California. Um, he, he was there every day. People most likely saw him and they'd gotten used to seeing him. And there, there wasn't a lot of visitors at this church. They probably didn't have a first time guest spot for your camel or your mule or give away, give away pottery to first time guests that said, you know, you're welcome here. Like it was just like a bunch of the same local people in a small synagogue worshiping. And they would have known this man had a withered hand because of their liturgy. They would raise their hands to pray and sing. And it would have been a reminder to every person in the synagogue of, of the world's brokenness. And they would have assumed, because of their outlook at the time, that that had to do with sin. Either the, the man with the withered hand sin, or his parents, or his grandparents, or however many generations back. And it would have caused some tension there. And uh, from the way the story is written and how Jesus uh, treats this man, we can see that they were just passing him by. And he was kind of like the elephant in the room that nobody talked about. Like, oh yeah, look away during worship. And um, he was unseen by his community, the people who are supposed to be the closest to him. And we also see um, at this time, uh, already three chapters into the book of Mark, 
that Jesus has critics, he has enemies, and um, they, they notice this tension. Jesus is in the synagogue. He's been going around healing people and, and preaching this, this news of, a, of God's kingdom is, is now. And, and now what's he going to do? And it's the Sabbath day because by this point, they'd added so many rules on top of God's rules. They decided even healing on the Sabbath day is work. And they're like, okay, I think we've got him. We can trap him. Let's see what he does with this guy. And I love how Jesus doesn't just react to the situation. It's a very purposeful response. Like, and what Matthew tells us that Mark doesn't, in this moment, in this gap of tension where the, the, the critics, the Pharisees, are wondering what Jesus is gonna do, in Matthew's account, he says this. Jesus says, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? In this moment, at the very beginning of the passage, Jesus senses the tension. People are wondering if he's gonna break the rules. And he's saying, my goodness, I care about this person. I see his problem, his withered hand, but I also see his potential. When the kingdom of God comes into our life, it encompasses everything. God cares about our physical needs, he cares about our soul, but our emotions, our finances, everything and Jesus is going to deal with the gap between this man that nobody sees and the rest of his community and by what he's healing this man which is what he's about to do he's also bringing them together this gap between this unseen person and all of the rule followers and when we think about like closing the gap between us and other people immediately. If you're like me, your mind starts going to, okay, so I have to do something for others. I need to go and, and do this Herculean effort of service. But Jesus is after us being in right relationship with other people, not merely about us following a list of rules. We think, oh, I need to do good. But it's not about deeds, it's about people. Or we need to, or another way to say it is, I, I just have to be good, a, a, a good boy. I don't, I, I don't want to be naughty. But it's not even about our behaviors. Doing good is about treating people like Christ, approaching people with a Christ-like love, a Christ-like curiosity even. And sometimes even when you're around others that, that are others, there's something about them that, that rubs you the wrong way, something they believe, something they do. When we approach these people with a Christ-like love, they can actually be used by God to make us more godly. And Jesus wants us as, as his followers for the mark of us uh, as, as Christians to be more about relationships and relationship-focused, not merely rules-focused. Every person has a name. Every person has a story. And flip that around. You have a name. You have a story. And Jesus cares about it and wants to bring the kingdom of God into being a reality in your life for you to experience that. I'll never forget learning from this church campus, a big church I used to work at called Shoreline. Our East Campus was in a more under-resourced area. 
and we served a lot of folks that didn't have homes and were um, you know, living out on the streets. And um, the, the head of this ministry, Thomas, uh, one day on my first day, like volunteering there, and I thought, I'm going to do good. I'm going to really uh, get my, my, uh, my sticker, my gold star for being a Christian today because I'm working with homeless people. And my mind was just blown by my little orientation. Uh, first thing Thomas had me do, he's like, take off your sunglasses. It was the middle of summer. It's like 100 degrees out. The sun was blaring. I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, take off your sunglasses. And, and when, our, when our folks come to the church service, I want you to look every single person in the eyes. Because most of, most of, our, most of our, uh, our church, they're standing in lines. Uh, they're, they're, they're more of a number than a name, uh, trying to get help or trying to get jobs or whatever. When they come here, they're going to be seen. And that made such an impression on me and bled out into, into other, um, other areas of my life and remembering that every one of these people learning. So look them in the eyes, and I was supposed to learn as many names as possible because if our names are important to but if our names are important to God, they should be important to us. This is about relationships. Following Jesus is way more about relationships than it is about following the rules. So Jesus is sitting here with these rule followers that are trying to trap him into breaking a rule. And one of the things I love about Jesus is he's a pot stirrer. He, this is grab your popcorn, get ready, because it's about to get real. He, uh, he makes this man or asks this man to stand up, not to shame him, not to point at him, not to point out his deformity. He's saying to the community, like, hey, you need to see this man. And he's addressing the gap saying, stand up for the man's sake and for the people's sake. And this is the only time in the gospels where Jesus initiates a healing. Jesus is the, the one on this. And he asks, even though it's not a life or death situation for this man, he, in verse four he says, which is lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill. This is a new paradigm for everyone in the room that, that, whoa, this isn't about just ticking off the boxes of all the rules that I followed. Like God actually made the Sabbath and made all of this stuff because God wants to care for people and we get to join in with God in, in bringing about wholeness to our creation. This is way outside of the box thinking. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. It's, it's hard when our paradigms get messed with, with, our, with what we think is normal. And we've learned so much about um, what solid ground is and what it means to be community, even when we're not in the same room together. During the pandemic, we've learned that, that it's not always a bad thing when the church leaves the building and to be others-focused. And, and to go out, we've... we've uh, I loved at the beginning of the pandemic, like the church was actually, there were there was at least a week and a half where we were like toilet paper brokers, making sure people in the community had toilet paper. When people have toilet paper, God's kingdom expands. There is wholeness. Or just calling people at the beginning of the lockdown. Uh, we had a team of people just calling and saying like, hey, how are you? Do you need anything? Uh, one of the things I'm the most proud of is is joining with the the frontline healthcare workers when when the hospitals were 
were at their their peak of, of of volume, and just you know giving some pizza to healthcare workers or, or or people working in senior care facilities or in doctors' offices, saying, "Hey, we see you. Thank you for what you do. Here is a slice of pepperoni pizza in Jesus' name." And it was it was. Um, one of those silver linings that I'm so proud of you, that, that we had a strong church and a strong community that stood up in the middle of a pandemic and said, I see you, you, you matter. And, and that's what Jesus is doing here uh, to this man, saying he matters and guess what? Uh, reach out your hand, he tells the man. And when he did, it was healed. And I love that Jesus healed the man without doing any work. Jesus didn't pick the man up. Jesus didn't make uh, an ointment or like make a sling for them. Like, I love how Jesus broke the Sabbath and broke their laws on purpose without doing any of the actual rule breaking. He just says, reach out your hand. And it was whole and made and exposed, uh, exposed their impulse that was like rooting against this guy who they knew who was in their community they were rooting against his healing on that day just because it was against their rules. And I love how Jesus, you know, is like an inside-the-box thinker. I love outside-the-box thinking, but sometimes inside-the-box thinking is even more creative when you, when you take what you have and make something with it. And Jesus even used it in the Jewish law, he healed a man and didn't even break the rules and exposed the Pharisees for what they were and their impulses. And I, I love that at the end of the story, it says they, they went to plot with the Herodians, who were like the Pharisees' arch enemies. And it totally exposed um, that they were willing to collaborate with the Herodians, who were like puppet governors of Rome, uh, just to take Jesus out. So this new paradigm for them really challenges us as Jesus followers here in 2021, that after we've been through a pandemic, after we've, we've realized like, okay, the church isn't closed. Like we're still here, we're still a body, we're still together and we're out in the community. Let's not stop that impulse. Who in our community is unseen? Who in your life is unseen? And also, uh, before your brain starts thinking like you need to move and to be a missionary or drastically change things or, or you're not talented enough or you don't have enough resources, like who is in your immediate community that's unseen in your day-to-day life? You may be, they may be in your house, maybe, maybe uh, just you know, in your neighborhood or your street. And I think this passage in the story challenges us just to ask Jesus that we could see through his eyes and see other people through Jesus's eyes. And who have we created space? Is there a gap between you and others in your community that, that Jesus can use you just to be there? And when I think of my mentors, um, uh, parents, grandparents, youth pastors, my, my favorite teachers, it wasn't anything necessarily. Yes, there were times where they, they did something kind or, or they taught me this amazing lesson. But the thing I appreciate most about the people who've shown me Jesus in my life is that they were just there and that they just cared. And sometimes we underestimate the, the good we can do just by letting people know that we care and being a present 
uh, a presence in their life. You know, one of my uh, professors said that, that the greater the hurt, the greater the tragedy if someone's died, the less words that are needed. You know, our impulse is usually to fix things with what we can do or say when people are in pain. But the ministry of presence is a real thing. And just sending a text, uh, calling, uh, even just if it's just 30 seconds, hey, I'm thinking about you, I'm sorry for your loss, or hey, are you okay? Like, it doesn't have to be this magical, eloquent, uh, you're not there to solve people's problems, you're there to see them. And Jesus uses that more than, more than we could ever think about. So our challenge and, uh, from, from this text today is, is to just start where you're at. And first, ask Jesus, who in my world is unseen? And how can you use me to let them know that, that more importantly, God sees them? So start wherever you're at. Um, start wherever you're at. I wanna pray for you right now. And, um, and we can start right now. In Jesus, would you please give us your eyes? God, even right now, bring, bring to our mind the faces of the people in our world and, um, and also help us to know that, that you see us and go into those areas of, of, our, of our heart and our minds where, where we feel like nobody cares about us. God, we, we ask right now that you would fill us with your spirit, but also help us to tangibly sense that what you say in your word is true, that you will never leave us and never forsake us. So dear Heavenly Father, give us your eyes and give us um, that drive to go and narrow the gap between us and others. and Help us to ultimately expand your kingdom. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. Uh, taking part of your week out, uh, to taking part of your week to join us for worship. For everything going on at Solid Ground, make sure that you visit sgbic.com. And don't be, don't be shy. Make sure you drop us a line here. Let us know how we can pray for you. And uh, before we dismiss, I'd like to say a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.